You're listening to the weekly podcast for Hillcrest Covenant Church. For more information, go to hillcrestcovenant.org. I want to start off this morning by actually telling you a story about a time that I got pranked by some of my friends, okay? Can I share that? Is that okay this morning? How many of you guys have been pranked by your friends before? Raise your hand. Oh, way more than the first crowd. So um, maybe, I don't know what that says about second service versus first service, but um, uh, I've been pranked many a time, many a time, and um, I will tell you one of them. If you want to hear a really gross time that I got pranked, I won't share it here, but some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, I will share that that with you off stage and away from anyone that gets grossed out by porta potties. Okay, just leave it at that. Um, but um, a few years ago, we had a band that would come through town, and they would oftentimes lead worship for us in the student center, or they would actually lead worship in church on Sunday mornings. Uh, Daniel, the song. Uh, uh, how many kings? How many kings we've sung in at Christmas time? They wrote that song. Uh, they have, over the years, become great, great friends. Like great, great friends of our church and of my family. Uh, Mark Martell, actually, this is just a total side note. Mark Martell, he was one of the lead singers. He actually tours the world right now um, with a queen band that sings queen cover songs. If you've seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, he actually did half the songs on that movie, which is kind of crazy. But... Um, they were here, and they had done a concert for us here on this stage. And the next morning, uh, we were back here at church, and we were um, all tearing down all their lights and equipment and everything. And it probably took an hour and a half or so for us to tear everything down. And when we were done tearing everything down, we hugged each other, said goodbye. They took off, and I went back down the hall to go to my office. And my office at that time was located um, kind of by the double doors down the hall by the receptionist's office. Um, it was in a little office suite right there. Uh, it's where Larry Williams currently has his office. And when I walked into um, the um, entrance to the, to the office area where my administrative assistant had her desk, I noticed something that was very um, not normal. Uh, there was smoke billowing out from my door. Okay, like, like a lot of smoke. And, and so I did what you are not probably supposed to do at this moment. And instead of running away from the smoke, I ran right towards it. Like probably not the brightest move on my part. And I ran towards it and I opened up the door. And instantly, like I couldn't even see the hand in front of me. Because the whole room now was completely full of smoke. And so I kind of worked my way to the entrance door to the office suite where the hallway is out there. And I opened that door, and instantly, because the smoke was so concentrated, uh, this is funny, by the way, you can relax a little bit, like this, there, there's not like a bad end to this story. Um, instantly, the smoke went flying out of the door, kind of like the spit just did from my face, and, and it filled up that room to the point that people started freaking out, as they should, right? And, and the, the director of, of, of uh, the preschool came running upstairs, closely followed behind her was a couple parents that were there because they were there to pick up their kids because it was time to go home from preschool. And so we opened the double doors of the church, and as the preschool director is looking at me with, with just sheer pain on her face, going, what in the world is going on? The church is on fire again, because about 24-ish years ago, we had a big church fire here. And so, like, like everyone's kind of freaking out, because they're seeing that the church is on fire again, or at least what they perceive to be on fire again. And they're scared. What they didn't know and this is the prank, was that the guys from the band thought it would be funny 
before they, well, before they started tearing down, to sneak the fog machine that we had used for the concert into my office and turn it on and tape down the button that makes the fog come out and just let it run for like an hour and a half as we we're cleaning up. And so what seemed like the church was on fire from the outside was actually just Nate Severson getting pranked by his buddies and people were freaking out. I mean, seriously, it looked like the church was on fire. And I share that with you this morning because not only is it kind of a crazy story, and maybe you've been pranked before, um, but the story that we are talking about this morning that we talked about last week is the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem. And if you look at this story, and if you look at it from the outside looking in, if you put yourself in the shoes of the people, in this story, we see that Jesus enters Jerusalem, and what do people do? They greet him as he enters. They're all seeing the very same thing, Jesus entering Jerusalem, and they're all shouting the same thing, Hosanna. Actually, I want to read for us the text um, for us this morning as we, as we dive into that, just to remind us of what's happening, because I think there's something in this story and in this text for you and me. I think there's something about the word perception and, and what we observe from the outside that can sometimes get us in trouble when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. And I'll get to that in a second, but I want to just remind us of this story, remind us of this text. It's in Matthew chapter 21. If you want to follow along with me in your own Bible, or if you want to follow behind, that's okay too. But it says this, as they approached Jerusalem, this is verse one of chapter 21, Matthew. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and they did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The, crowd, the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And I love this story because here Jesus comes and, and there's this like perception that people have when they showed up. They all were seeing the same thing. Just as, just as my, my room and my office and the church seemed like it was on fire because of the smoke, that actually wasn't the reality of what was going on. And I think what happens, and we see it in this text, and, and what happens in life is that we see things from a distance, and we perceive certain things. We love to say perception is reality. And we live into that. But the reality is this. Actually, truth is reality. And the perception that people had this day was one of two things. There might have been more, but there's two that I, 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 I want to talk about today. And we talked about it last week. The first perception was that Jesus was the Messiah. That Jesus was the Messiah that people had prayed for, that they had waited for, that they had wanted for so many years. 
And the fact is, is that he had shown up and he had come to rescue the people. But there was another perception that was going on this day that people had. They were all seeing the same thing. But another perception that people had was that Jesus had come to overthrow the Roman government. This evil empire, this group of people that were these horrible people that did horrible things. And the idea that they saw was that not Jesus, that Jesus wasn't coming to be the Messiah. He was actually coming to overthrow the government. And I think in our lives, it's so easy for us to look at Jesus from a distance. To maybe even see the same thing. But miss the whole point when it comes to what is really true. You see, Jesus, he didn't come riding in on a horse to overthrow the Roman government. He came riding in on a donkey to be the savior of the world. And that is the bottom line truth of why he came. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to dive in a little bit more. And we're going to ask ourselves two more questions. Last week we asked a couple questions and we'll get to those in a second. I'll do a little review. But before we do that, I want to just pray for us. I want to pray for you and I want to pray for me because we are not here to go through the motions. We are not here to just take up space before the chiefs start at 2.30, 2.05. Who's keeping track, right? Okay. Like how cool would it be? How cool would it be? Just think about this for a second. How cool would it be if the coolest thing that happened in your life was not the Chiefs actually going to the AFC Championship game? How cool would it be if the Lord does something so powerful in our midst right now that we even, I love football, so it's really even hard to say this, but like, like how cool would it be literally if like the coolest thing that happens on this day is the worship that takes place in this sanctuary, not the worship that takes place at 205 today, right? Amen? Okay, so I want to pray and then... I want to dive into two more questions that I believe are important for you and me to answer when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. So, Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for the ways that you get our attention. God, I thank you so much for your word. God, we don't have to sit up here and and wonder or perceive what your intentions were in this story. But we know the truth. We know why you came riding in to Jerusalem. We know why you showed up, why the word became flesh. We know, Lord, without a shadow of a doubt, that you showed up because you're the Messiah. And so, Messiah, we ask you, Lord Jesus, we ask you right now to be crystal clear to us. God, we ask you right now to speak clearly to us. We ask you right now to move amongst us Lord, we ask you right now to help us to be made new. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And so last week, we dug into two questions. The first question we talked about last week, and again, these aren't, by the way, New Year's resolutions. We talked about this a little bit. Like the goal here isn't for you to have like a little stirring speech and, and be inspired, you know, to, to have a New Year's resolution because New Year's resolutions get forgotten about quickly. All right. The Lord didn't create you so you can make New Year's resolutions for him. We're talking about two questions last week and two questions today that I believe every one of us needs to answer And not just answer, but share it with the world. And so the first question we talked about was a question of importance. 
And that question is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Maybe the most important question, the most important question you will ever answer in your life. Who is Jesus? And the second question was a question of desire. Am I really drawn to, drawn to something different? Because when we say yes to Jesus, he is going to do something inside of our lives, inside of our hearts. No matter who you are, no matter introvert, extrovert, no matter where you land on the Enneagram scale, it doesn't matter. Like all those, like he's going to do something in your life when you say yes to Jesus that is going to change your desire, change your passion in a way that only he can do. And so for the time we have together today, I want to introduce us and ask us two more questions that I believe are important for us to answer when it comes to being made new in Jesus. And following these two questions, we actually have built in time into the service to be reflective. To think about the answers to these questions. I would actually encourage you to take the connect card that you have. And I would encourage you to be honest about the answers to these questions, to not just take notes on what I say, but take notes on what the Lord says to you. Take notes on what the reality is to the answers to these questions. And so we're going to take time to just worship together after this time, to reflect, to be honest. And so the first question I want to pose to us today or the third question in our series is a question of decision. And that question is this, am I really willing to follow Jesus? Am I really willing to follow Jesus? And this is not just a huge question for us to answer today in the moments that we have here together. This is a huge question that we need to answer on a daily basis. And I think there's two options when it comes to the way we answer this question. Option number one is we can continue beyond today and follow our way, which is my agenda and my plan. Or we can follow his way, which is his agenda and his plan. And here's why this, I believe, is a really difficult question if we're being really honest. Because I love my agenda and I bet you love your agenda. I love my ideas. I think my ideas are good. You probably think your ideas are really good too. But the key word in that is what? My. The key word in that is my. My plans and your plans are exciting. They're fun to think about. I think my jokes are sometimes funny. <laughs> but when the world in my life revolves around the word my... It puts me in a place where I can become really selfish. Anyone here admit that they're sometimes selfish? I think we could all raise our hands, right? Let me ask it a different way and be a little bit more specific about our selfishness. Are you willing to invite someone to spend quality time with you at school or work or church that might not fit with you? Would you be willing every week at church, when you come to church, instead of finding the people that you typically find, 
Would you be willing to actually look for people that you don't know? Would you be willing to actually go sit in a different part of the sanctuary so you can connect with other people that you might not know? Even a little bit more specific, when it comes to the money that you and I have, do we love it so much that we don't trust it to Jesus? Or do you think of yourself, and I'm saying this to myself too, more righteous than other people? Do you see yourself and other people in ways that maybe you shouldn't see them? People maybe who don't pray like you or read the Bible like you or do the things that you do, do you look at those people as less than you and even think to yourself, I'm so glad that I'm not like them? Are you never willing to change? Do you give off the vibe that your way is always the right way? In today's culture, that's called stubbornness, and I think it's a code for selfishness. And I'm guilty of it just as much as the rest of us in this room. You see, for me at the core, I know I can be really selfish. Hebrews 3.13 says that we have to preach the gospel to ourselves daily, daily, to prevent the hardening of our hearts. Selfish people don't believe that they need to repent and change and be made new. One of the ways that you and I know that we are growing spiritually and being made new in Christ is when our selfishness scale, if we have one, let's say it was a 10, when our selfishness scale starts going down to a 9 or an 8 or a 7. It's in those moments that we know that we're moving in the right direction. That means something is changing inside of us. The spirit of the living God is doing his work to transform your selfish character and my selfish character into a more selfless character. Following him closely and becoming more like him should be our daily goal. But this is a hurdle that I think a lot of people in their spiritual journey struggle to get over. This may be shocking for some of you, but God, he's not willing, or he's not waiting to heap blessings and his power into your plan or my plan for living. God's waiting for us to courageously escape our selfish agenda and make decisions that follow or align with what he wants for us. You see, God doesn't bless selfishness. He blesses obedience. And this is what got the people in trouble, I believe, when Jesus entered Jerusalem. It got them in hot water. They selfishly wanted Jesus to be someone he was never going to be for them. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was teaching about money and possessions and things like worry. And he made it clear that if we wanted to be made new, we needed to trust that he's got everything under control. And we'd be wiser to make him our primary concern. I love what Matthew chapter 6 says, verses 30 through 33. 
If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting your agenda so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Hear these words. Steep your life in God reality. God initiative. God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your day, every day human concerns will be met. You see, God's blessing, his blessing is waiting for those who make decisions to put him first. This blessing might not come in the form of your agenda or my agenda. It might not mean that we might get the position we so desire or we get it admitted to the college or the whatever we are really wanting in our life or we find the perfect person to marry. But it might be those things. Hillcrest, Jesus, and hear this, Jesus promises to meet our needs day to day, not our wants. He promises to meet our needs if we put him first. And so what does that look like? Like, what does that look like in the real world? What does that look like when you and I live our life? Well, when Jesus says, follow me and serve others, but your agenda is to be comfortable and serve yourself, you got a decision to make. Or when Jesus says, follow me and forgive that person who has wronged you and your plan is to take revenge because it would feel so, so good, you have a decision to make. Or when Jesus says, follow me and be generous and your agenda is to gather as much stuff as you can to support your comfort, Again, we have a decision to make. If you're like me, a lot of the pain and the heartache that, that I've experienced and maybe you've experienced in life points back to choosing my way over the ways of Jesus. And to make matters worse, we're crazy enough to act shocked and in disbelief when my way or your way slams us in the face and we hit a dead end. Here's what I've been learning. And maybe you can learn it with me. When the question of desire and the question of decisions are met with a yes answer, it typically results in devotion. Think about it this way, if I can be a little formulaic. When our desires for Jesus and our decisions for him come together, they equal devotion. If you want to be made new, if you want to be made new in Jesus, then it's important that you and I make daily decisions to say yes to him and to follow him no matter what the cost is. And I believe this leads us to our fourth question. And this is a question of devotion. What gets your primary attention? Think about it. What gets your primary attention? Look back on the last week. If you're going to make a list of all the things, what your life was like... And you were going to ask yourself, what really got my primary attention? Where would Jesus fit in on that scale? 
You see, it's really simple to me. When my answers to questions one through three is a resounding yes, I know that my primary attention is where it needs to be on Jesus. And if they're not a yes, I know the answer is different. You see, the answer to this question is usually pretty obvious. It's seen in the desires and the decisions that you and I make on a daily basis. For me, I want to be devoted to Jesus, not devoted to a list of rules. I want to be devoted to Jesus, not religious. Because when I do that, when I live into that, I'm devoted simply to him. You see, I want my walk and I want your walk to look like his. I want to be filled with his spirit. I want you to be filled with the spirit. I want our church to be filled with his spirit. I want to be in tune, connected to, and led by him. And I want our church to be in tune and connected to and led by him. You see, for me, if I'm not led by him, I find myself asking all the wrong questions and seeking all the wrong answers. Maybe you find yourself doing the same thing. I can ask a hundred good questions about my life, about my future, about my purpose, and all those kind of things, but if I'm not connected to Jesus, I miss the most important questions that I should be asking. I believe the same is true for you. On Wednesday night, uh, the Bachelmans were hosting one of our Wednesday night classes. And they're talking about mass incarceration and they're talking about the opportunity that they have had to actually go into places like Leavenworth Prison and to share the gospel with men that desperately need to know Jesus. It's an incredible, unbelievable opportunity that they've been given. And one of the things that they did that night was, that, was they brought, invited in their friend named Willie. And Willie came in and he shared his testimony and one of the things that Willie said, and I think it's an important question for us to answer, not just as a church, but for you to answer individually, is Willie said he entered Leavenworth, and he was going to be there for 15 years. And as he entered, he had never felt so lonely in his life. All the things that were surrounding him before he entered Leavenworth were all stripped away. And were not coming back for many, many years. And as Willie stood in the yard at Leavenworth, Jesus became so real to him, like he had never become real before. And he felt like the Lord, the Holy Spirit, was asking him one simple question. Am I enough? Am I enough? Hillcrest, I believe with all of my heart, that Jesus was not just asking Willie that question, he's asking you that question too and me that question. Is he enough for us? Take away the worship, take away the message, take away everything. Is Jesus enough? Like, do you come to Hillcrest because you feel like, man, I need, I need that message to be really, really good today. I need that worship, man, I need, I need, some, I need that to be clicking what if we just stripped all of that away? Is Jesus enough? Because I believe he is. And so right now what we are going to do is we're going to just take some time 
And you can see behind me the four questions we've kind of talked about over the last couple of weeks. But we're going to take some time to just be with Jesus. We're going to take some time right now to not answer the question, these four questions for the person next to you, but to take some time to answer these questions for ourselves. Because I believe with all of my heart that when you and I are real about these questions, and when we invite Jesus to be a part of these questions, there are going to be things that are going to happen in your life that you could never do on your own. There are going to be things that are going to happen to our church that we could never imagine happening right now. But he's going to do it. And it's going to be unbelievable. And you know what's going to be so cool? Is that we're going to be made new. Again, the people that were shouting Hosanna to Jesus, they were all seeing the same thing. They were all seeing Jesus enter into Jerusalem. They were all seeing Jesus and they're all shouting the same thing. But some of them had very different ideas of what the truth really was. Folks, I'm telling you, Jesus didn't come because he wanted to ride a horse and conquer the Romans. He rode a donkey to be the savior of the world. And that's what he became and that's what he did for us. And so I want to invite you to stand right now and I want to invite you to just think through these questions to process them. And I don't want you to just process these questions. I actually want you to take it a step further. I want you to answer them honestly to yourself, but then I want you to even go another step. I want you to actually share the answers with someone else. It's so easy for us to come to church and make decisions, but if we don't tell anyone about those decisions, guess what? It's easy to forget about those decisions. But there's accountability and there's wonderful things that happen when we're honest about the answers to these questions. Maybe some of you are like, no, I'm not sure if I'm ready for Jesus yet. That's an honest answer. I would encourage you to say that. But don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck there. Push through that and know that there is a Savior, Jesus, that came to this earth, that died for you so you might have life and be made new. So it's worship together. And let's be honest. And let Jesus make us new. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hillcrest. 